0: Greetings. My name is Linda Talaferro, and this is the Being Brown at Work podcast. I help black and brown female professionals confidently and expertly navigate the corporate world so that they can reach new career heights and establish their seat at the table. So whether you're kicking off a new career, leaning in a new direction, or looking to climb the corporate ladder within your current job, I'm here to propel your career forward by giving you an insider's look at cultivating an executive mindset, creating leadership opportunities, establishing an executive presence, and more. So join me every week as I guide you towards becoming a leader in the corporate world and show you how to step into your true power and potential. Greetings, everyone. Greetings. It's your girl, Linda Tella Being Brown at Work Live. And as I say all the time, I mean, I know you guys are waiting for me to say it. Yes, it is my favorite time of the week. Absolutely. Especially when I get the opportunity to share yet another phenomenal woman that I had the honor and pleasure to meet throughout my endeavors and get connected to. And this discussion in this episode you know, it's a topic that I don't believe we talk about enough. I don't believe we as Black and brown women even think of, frankly, right? We think it's just automatic and that, you know, the company has us. And that's why Cassandra Rose and and all of the nuggets she's going to share in this episode is so extremely critical. So we're going to jump right in. Let me introduce you to this phenomenal woman. Her name is Cassandra Rose. She is a partner at Meritok and is setting a new standard for helping organizations optimize their human resources, diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. Having held roles at multi-billion dollar global brands and unicorn startups, Cassandra has developed proven strategies which positively impact the physical, mental, and financial well-being of employees and embed Equitable practices. Cassandra has over 15 years of HR experience and is certified as a senior professional in human resources with a BBA in business management, a master's degree in human resources and employment relations, and professional certificates in diversity, equity, inclusion, leadership, and healthcare economics. She is a proud member of the Forbes Human Resources Council. See, y'all, look, you know, I don't, I don't play. I, I have this. I'm just so honored to have been connected with these powerful Black women. And as you can see in, in her bio, she is going to bring everything on this critical topic. Cassandra, welcome to Brand Bound, Being Brown at Work Live. See, I'm so excited. I can't even talk.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Linda, so much for having me as a guest. I am honored to be on. Oh,
0: it's a look, the honor is totally all mine, totally all mine. You know, what I wanted to kick off this discussion, you know, Sandra, you and I talked uh, prior to getting this session scheduled, and there's going to be a part two, everybody, because she's got some more information that um, she's going to share in a part two. But you and I talked about this subject, and I'd like to kick off the conversation with this. You know, what what led you to your focus in this area? Was it something that either happened to you or someone you know? What, what led you into this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. But Linda, before we get started, I want to give you your kudos, your Black Girl Magic around your appointment to the board. You got appointed to Chloe's Gear and Products.
0: Is that right? Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> you are so, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for that support and that acknowledgement. Yes, the press release just came out today. Yes, I did.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Seeing Black faces in those spaces is so important for other yes. people to know, right, that Black women can be on board. So kudos to you. And I can't wait to see what you do
0: there. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to benefits equity, um, I don't think anyone goes to kindergarten and is like, I want to be an HR professional. At least that was <laughs> my story. I've always been fascinated with business and I actually wanted to go to law school. I've always been interested in advocating for people. I I find it fascinating to use rules to advantage other people. Um, I didn't get into law school, which is a story that I usually like to tell. I was devastated. So I did the next logical thing was become an inner city missionary (laughs) and go serve the community uh, of Kensington, Philadelphia, And there Um, I realized that, you know what, as long as you're serving people, it doesn't really matter the facet that you're doing it, if you're doing it with all your heart and with all your knowledge, skills, and expertise. And as much as I would have loved to stay there, my student loans were like, (coughs) we need our money back. Uh, So I went into corporate America with that degree that I I just earned. Um, And once I was there, I kept getting HR roles. And I was like, wait, someone's going to pay me to help other people get a job keep a job with their benefits. This is fantastic. This is amazing. Um, And so my journey began. And I spent about a decade of that 15 plus years of experience within the benefits realm. And something that I discovered right off the bat was the alphabet soup that we're all thrown into. I don't know if you've ever heard at a new hire orientation, FSA, HSA, 401k. I was like, is this a rap group? (laughs) Are like, right. oh, are I supposed to know? It's like BRB, like all those terms that you learned via texting. I was like, I have no idea what's going on, but I didn't want to raise my hand because I thought everybody else did. It knew was just me. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once I was in the role, I had people making a million dollars a year and I had people making $35,000 a year asking me the same exact questions, right? So then I realized yeah. it's not an intelligence thing. It's a literacy thing, the same way we have to learn our alphabets so that way we can Learn words and then learn how to read. It's the same way you have to approach the benefits wrong. And with that, I I started my advocacy first at work. And now I'm doing it from a client perspective to make sure that people not only understand what they're being given, but they have access to it and can advocate for themselves.
0: Mm mm, Cassandra, that is so powerful. And you're absolutely right, Cassandra. It is a bunch of alphabet soup. I remember when I first when I first entered into corporate America out of college, I mean, and I didn't come from, you know, a family that had a lot of people that understood 401ks. I mean, they had a pension right where Mm -hmm. they worked. And then we know pensions went away. So when I would hear 401ks and what would the thank goodness, though, I had an uncle who I patterned my career after. So I could call him and say, Uncle Chester, uh, what does 401k mean? He's like, Okay, you got to get into that. What's the highest percentage? You You know, he gave me the school, but he was the only one of my mother's brothers and sisters and she had eight of them. So you're absolutely right. A lot of alphabet soup that's out there and we tend to blow it off. We tend to sit in Mm -hmm. those onboarding meetings, right? And we assume that our company has us. We assume that everything they tell us, oh, they got it. All I do is check this box, check that box, and it's going to be okay. Rather than trying to truly dive in, ask the questions and understand, right? I mean, that's, that's what's necessary. But let me ask you this, Cassandra, what does benefit equity really mean? I mean, I know when I put this title out there, health equity, driving inclusivity and common benefits, I I did get some people reach out to me. We're like, huh? You know, does inclusivity, does that really mean anything? I mean, it's the same for everybody, Linda. What is this -hmm. this topic going to be about? So share a little bit about equity in this space. What does that really mean?
1: Yeah, Linda, and very good point, right? Like you were able to have a resource outside of HR, outside of your immediate family to go and say, what does this mean? And that's what equity means. Equality means everyone gets the same thing. So an example of that is all full-time employees are benefits eligible. So you're like, oh, that means that is fair. Everyone gets the same access. But equity means giving people the resources they need to get the proper access, right? Without Mm -hmm. your uncle's knowledge, you still would have been outside. You would have been excluded from a benefit that was equally given to everyone. So it is on us, right, as as HR to go, no, what does someone else need? What does someone who is a first-time corporate person, right? You may have parents who were in unionized environments like myself who had pensions and they had the union advocating on their behalf. So they had union stewards literally walking them through it every three years. That's not the experience when you go into corporate America.
0: And then when you think
1: about asking the questions, which is what I love that you said, Linda, and I encourage you, if you're listening now, go ahead, ask those questions. But sometimes you don't even know what to ask because the information seems so broad and it's so foreign to you that you just, like you said, check the box and then just leave it unmarked until you need something. And that's when you start to realize that the equity is not really there.
0: Mm, Oh, Cassandra, such a poignant Uh, statement that you just, because it does occur when you need it, right? Mm -hmm. Something happens, right? And then you go and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I don't have that. Or that really wasn't what I thought. I had. Right? right. And now I'm in need. So and, and, you know, I use an example of a previous colleague I had. Uh, I remember she sent me an email and said, hey, Linda, love to have a conversation with you. Um, you know, I just want to share a challenge that I'm having right now and get your input on how to proceed. And it was around her son who had special needs. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that particular special need wasn't covered in the benefits at that particular company. And she came to me saying, hey, you know, you're, you you advocate a lot. You kind of push the envelope a lot. Do you think I should? Should I bring this forward to the company and say, hey, you guys need to consider families that have. And it wasn't a unique special need. It was one that is very, unfortunately, common among mm-hmm. children, right? But for whatever odd reason, the benefit structure didn't include it. Right, and so she read it, and she but she was still reluctant. To your point of hey, you know, not asking the question. Then do you have the need, right? right? And this, what do you do? And 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 fortunately, you know, I told her, hey, I think you you've been here, you've got some tenure, you've got relationships, conversations does not hurt. So I think you should bring it forward. Long story short, she did that and actually got the benefit changed, and it you know, was rolled out and benefited the entire company. Right. But it, but it took for her to have the need. Mm -hmm. Right. And then to go back and research and find, oh my gosh, my child's not covered. So, you know, I I just, that's why this conversation for me was so important. So, so important for us to have. Right. So companies have benefit plans. Right. And they'll say, you know what, this is for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned it's upon, you know, it's incumbent upon HR to really drive inclusivity, but companies could easily say, hey, you know, we got the benefits out here, we roll them out. I mean, it should be good enough. So what's the so what for the company on the company side of this?
1: Oh, Linda, that is my favorite part to explain. So we've heard terms like she session, where we have uh, women leaving the workforce literally by the millions, right? The mm-hmm. amount of women in the workforce now is back is like back to where we were 33 years ago. We have the term great resignation or great reshuffle where people are leaving their company because they feel burned out, they don't feel supported. So even if you're getting them in the door, they're not staying there. And there goes the institutional knowledge and there goes your future leader and there goes your female representation that she went at that executive level, but they're dropping out. And then people go, what can I do? Well, here you go, it's the benefit. So you can tell those people, it's on the internet. It's in your employee handbook. But again, you don't even know you you have these things until you go to use it, until you need it. I've had employees literally call me and be like, hey, I want to take a leave of absence. So I feel burned out. I'm like, have you taken a vacation day yet this year? They're like, oh, I have vacation days? We think these things are these understood things, but in the in the doing of every day and just trying to get work done during a global pandemic, maybe when you have kids pulling at you on your 10th Zoom of the day and it's only 3 p.m., really, are you going to put it on your employees? That's why they leave. They don't see a path forward in your yes. organization. And, you're, yes. and guess what? The punchline is you're already spending the money. You've already put these policies in place. You're already spending yeah. hundreds of thousands, if not usually, millions of dollars millions Millions. i tell people that i usually had eight figure budgets that i would have to manage when it came to medical dental vision and any ancillary benefit from short-term disability to fertility benefits these are things i had to manage so if i'm managing an eight figure portfolio of funds and people are leaving because they're not tapping into the thing that i'm already spending money on is it really their fault or should we be finding ways to partner? And this is not me yes. sharing blame to HR. We're underwater. <laughs> in addition to uh, being psychologists, recruiting, yeah. paying people uh, fairly, trying to do DEI. If we don't have our DEI counterparts in yet, we also have to do testing and make sure people understand how to do a hybrid model. So I'm not. I'm not saying HR bad, employees good. What I'm saying is the sure. system is broken, and it sure. takes everybody to come together to make it better.
0: Oh, yes, Cassandra. And I'm so glad you clarified that. And, you know, everyone, if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, vacation days, of course, everybody knows they have them. Or, you know, uh, sick days, everybody knows they have them. Or vision. This For some of you listening, maybe because you've been in the corporate world for a while, or you're the fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth generation that's had white collar opportunity, Yeah. For you, it's commonplace. But there are there's a group of underrepresented people. There's a group of even I just shared the experience of a female colleague of mine, right, who didn't pay attention to that part of her benefit until she needed it. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you because I know her very well. uh, You would think she'd know. Right. It wouldn't be uncommon for her. But there's a group of people. I just want everybody to really be calibrated here. There's a group of people who don't have that immediate awareness. They don't have that immediate knowledge. Yes, thank goodness I had an Uncle Chester, you know, one of eight children. My mother was born in 1928. She'd be 94 in March, right? So he was the youngest of eight and only person to go to college, right? In that team. so yeah, I had him, but there are so many people who are first-timers, first-time corporate, first-time college grad, first-time a lot of things, who don't have that resource and immediately know it. So that's why this conversation with Cassandra is so important. That's why. I agree with you, Cassandra. It is the company should take ownership and want to be accountable, mm-hmm. right? To share that partner. To I love that word you use. Partner with the employee. Share that responsibility and that accountability to make sure the information goes out. I, I think it's so important. So important. So in your experiences, Cassandra, and since you've been, you know, championing this, what has been the historical challenges that you've seen in this space to try to drive equity?
1: Yeah, Linda, and I can actually use your example of saying someone with a special needs child, right? So this is someone that we find is an outlier. And what I try to share with people is until you raise that, we may not even know. And going Mm. about just making sure that we're getting Delivery. I can't tell you how many times my calls range from, Hey, I don't know where my dental insurance card is. And it's like, Hey, you don't need it. You use your social security number when you go to the dentist, all the way mm. up to, Hey, I have a special needs child. The state pays this much. Our insurance pays this much. I'm having a hard time getting them to coordinate and I have to get an account manager on, right? So there's a lot of complexity, but it is your voice that makes the benefit better for yes. all. So I'm a big believer in if you support the most underrepresented, if you support the most vulnerable, it makes it so much better for everyone. And the company's proud. That's why you see a lot of these great places to work or these lists. A lot yes. of times it comes down to their benefits that they're offering ah. that inform the culture, right? If people feel like, yes, they have career opportunity, yes, they're getting paid well, but I can actually take those vacation days. I can actually
0: Use my 401k. That changes everything. So so important, and 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 I love what you just said. You know, and that's why the voice is so important, right? You don't think. I mean, if it's you or you're the example that I gave of the, you know, you have the child that's special needs. Don't think that, you know what you're going to advocate for, or the question you're going to ask, or the information you're going to get is just going to be for you. Cassandra just shared, this ends up benefiting everyone. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's so important, so important. So, you know, another question I wanted to ask you, Cassandra, as we dive even more into this topic, you know, what could a leader or manager do? You know, what responsibilities, you know, okay, we're talking about the corporation as a whole, right, and the packages they put together. And then you shared HR, right, and 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 some of their role that they pay. But if we boil that down, you know, bring it down, what can the manager, what can, for instance, my direct manager or me as a leader for my team, mm-hmm. what can I do to kind of facilitate this inclusivity and this equity piece around benefits? What can I do?
1: So it always comes down to the two A's for me is access and literacy. Mm. So from a literacy standpoint, you yourself should learn the benefits. It's important for you to know, because if you notice an employee is not doing well, they're not performing at what they used to to do, they're probably burned out. So do you know what the vacation policy is? Have you encouraged them to actually take it? Because that's the other half of the battle. Some people wear it as a badge of honor Um, to just be like, Hey, I'm not going to take vacation days. I've lost vacation days, but that person may set a tone that no one else should be using it. And if you are using it, you're failing in some way. So so as a manager, model the behavior that you want to see, learn what the benefits are. Take them. I just saw an article earlier today that the new CEO of Twitter is taking parental leave during his first three months as CEO. That's huge. That's huge, huge. right? For a man to take parental leave in his first year, in his first three months (laughs) of leading a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company. And the reason that can happen is because that parental leave should be available to women, to men, to people who don't identify as a certain gender. When people advocate for themselves, they make the system better. We stop putting the onus on the one person who has to ask, or the one person who feels uncomfortable, the one person who actually takes advantage of the benefit and doesn't get the promotion. All of yeah. that bleeds into your culture, wow.
0: right? Hold on a second. I need yeah. you. Hold on. I just, yeah, I got it. I have to. I have to restate that because you said one person who takes advantage of the benefit but doesn't get the promotion. One per- <laughs> I I need to restate that, right? And the gentleman that's leading by example and taking parental, and he's the father, taking the parental leave. Please let's you know even expand that even more. But I, I want you I'd like for you to restate that again, Cassandra, mm-hmm. because I think it's so critical for us to understand, right? We we have to, we we have to do this. It's it's incumbent upon us actually. And, and and what you keep saying, it it makes the greater good. It's it's really for the greater good. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So when a man can take parental leave in his first year. That frees everybody else up to feel confident and comfortable that, oh, this is not just something that the company's providing me. They're actually encouraging me to indulge in this benefit that is part of my actual total rewards package. What I usually tell people is that 32%, I want that to stick with you. 32% of your overall compensation is baked into your benefits. So if you're not going to the doctor, you're not getting your vision test, you're not taking mm. your leaves, you're not doing all of that. That's like giving yourself a 32% pay cut. Would you do that? Would you be like, you know what company? I love working so hard. Here's
0: 32% of my paycheck back. That's what you oh, do. Oh yeah, my gosh. I, wait a minute. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. 32% yes. is baked into my benefits.
1: Yeah. Because when wow. we're actually onboarding employees based on where uh they are on the salary scale, we take about 32% of their base salary wow. and load that in. Because when you're paying a medical premium, when you see that amount of money come out of your paycheck, for some people, that's 10% of the actual cost, 20%, maybe 30%. Your company is yeah. subsidizing a significant amount. When you're taking leave, work still needs to get done. So we're Absolutely. estimating, we might need, you know, a backfill for those few weeks that you're at we're estimating that you're actually going to use it so we use about 32 percent so when wow. you're not using it you're leaving money on the table in essence by not using it and then you quit and then we're confused <laughs> because we said here's all the resources you need yeah here's your money but you're not happy and a lot of times when i'm part of exit interviews people are like i didn't even know I didn't even know.
0: Wow. I got a question uh, here. I want to make sure we get in. What should one do when they attempt to use the benefits that are in place? But however, however, it is seemingly impossible for anyone to receive them. For example, someone being denied short term disability due to documented need to maintain their mental health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a great question, Tamiko. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Great question. And I'm actually going to backtrack one level before I answer that question. I think what happens at times is that there is a distrust with management. There is a distrust of Mm -hmm. HR because people fall into these scenarios and without proper care and really hearing what the employee is going through, that distrust is earned. So what I Mm -hmm. mean by that is if someone is submitting short-term disability paperwork, signed off by a doctor, you have a third party administrator, someone who sits outside of your organization, who sees this all the time and is approving it, there shouldn't be an issue. Now, things happen. I've actually been in that seat myself. And you can advocate. That's the thing. People don't realize you can appeal. Just say, why are you denying that? And for a lot of my employees, when I was in the benefit seat, I would do that on their behalf. Be like, hey, I just got this. They seem to have all the paperwork let's appeal. Let's appeal again. Let's get the advocacy. Let's find out the real reason. Mm-hmm. Is it a technicality? Maybe some box wasn't checked. Is it that they don't qualify because sometimes you have to be with the company for six months or a year? Is there another leave type we can offer them? Can we ask other people to pull their vacation? Like, There's so many creative ways because when you're taking care of the human being, policies shouldn't restrict you. Policies are there Yes. To stop people from abusing the system, yes. not actually using the
0: system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Cassandra, say that again. Policies <laughs> are there. Seriously. Policies, policies are there. Policies are
1: there to stop people from abusing the system, not actually using use. the system. So if people are attempting to use the system and are getting a negative outcome, advocate and also make sure that you're going back to the system and saying, what else can we do? to support this person.
0: Oh my gosh, love that. Tamiko, I hope that helped you with your question. Uh, I've got another one popping here, and I, see, I knew this was gonna be a critical topic, that's why I'm so glad. Everyone, we're gonna do a part two, so please watch my postings when you see a part two for Cassandra so we can get some more. But Seth asked a question here, will nationalized health benefits be better, similar to the UK system?
1: Ooh, Seth, you started a political bomb. <laughs>
0: That just went totally there. OK, he just yeah, let's tot- just
1: go nuclear right here. Um, <laughs> so this is me personally, Cassandra Rose statement, not to be a reflection of any Absolutely. company you've ever worked for. So I just want to verify that. Right. When we think about Medicare for all, that is the intent that Congress is trying to push through. If you divorce benefits from employment, then people won't stay at jobs that they hate just because they're terrified that they won't have medical insurance. Right. You won't have people working till they're 90 because they can't afford Cobra and Medicare at that age cost too much money based on the 401k that they didn't invest in because they didn't even know it exists. Do you see all these other issues? Now, I'm not saying it's a simple bait and switch like, OK, employers sure. no longer offer it. But that's what's happening to our system. And that's why when COVID hit and people were losing their jobs, you, you're sending people out. Into the world with no health insurance and no income to pay for whatever other uh, insurance they can yes, get.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: should we have more safety measures in place that are more tied to the fact that you're just a living, breathing human being that's on earth and you should have medical care? Yes, A <laughs> 100%. What does that look like? Look
0: like, yes. It's a totally that, different. That's, it's complex. Yes.
1: It is. It is. But it's very that's complex. What Medicare for all is attempting
0: to solve for. Exactly. Seth, no, never apologize. No one apologize. These are great questions. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we, we are winding down here. But there's one thing I wanted to ask, Cassandra, because I think it's extremely important. You know, we've talked about the individual's responsibility. We've talked about uh, the HR responsibility. We've talked about the manager's responsibility. How do we get the C-suite people to buy mm-hmm. in? And maybe even further than that, because frankly, you know, they have the direct contact to the board because, you know, there's gonna mm-hmm. be board involvement and they're the voice that the, the board connects with. The regular people usually don't get much connection to the board. So how do we get C-suite, the board, to buy in, to understand what you and I have spent the last 30 minutes talking about so we can make impactful change on health equity, benefit equity?
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, there's two things going on. If you're just coming from a moral standpoint, I know that most organizations who want to lean forward are very invested in diversity, equity and inclusion strategies. And this is it. When you're helping vulnerable people, when you're helping people who are underbanked, underinsured, usually coming from backgrounds that aren't at the board levels, typically, Linda's helping to break that barrier. When you focus on their needs, you make it better for everyone. You make it better for the parent of a special needs child, whether they're making a million dollars or 35K. You make it better for somebody who's going through transgender reassignment surgery. You make it better when you invest. And then from the financial play, you're already spending millions of dollars, millions, right? If I told you, you don't have to spend one additional penny, but you're going to get a better ROI out of that eight figure portfolio that you're spending on your employees by focusing on those who need that access and that literacy and that makes all your employees more engaged more willing to stay on board because they have access to resources where's the downside
0: exactly oh my gosh and that's what we end this on where is the downside (laughs) there is no downside Cassandra, this has been phenomenal. Look, everyone, that, that thank you for joining us live, or if you're catching this on the replay, if you're catching this on my podcast, and you've got some additional questions, you have some situations like Tamika shared with us, and and we could help you, please put them in the comments, post them. If you want to send me a DM, do that. If you want to send an email, do that. I've connection with Cassandra. And like I said, there's going to be a part two. So if we get your questions that come out of here and she comes back in on part two, and I'm, I can tell you what we're going to talk about on part two already, because we've we've already chatted and <laughs> we're going to build, We're going to we're going to bridge another challenge. And that has been, what we're going to talk about next is generational wealth benefits literacy, which is so critically important for black and brown women, the underserved and whatnot. Extremely, extremely important. So you know, join us in part two. And if you if you have any questions, any concerns, Please, please share them and we'll make sure that Cassandra gets them. And then when you see my post coming up, that she's coming back again, uh, we'll address those. Uh, Tamika, I see you have a very long statement. We're going to make sure that Cassandra gets that and sees that. Sean, you're right. The billion talents investment. Love your statement, Sean. Thank you, everybody, for joining and engaging in this critical conversation. Cassandra, it has been an honor and a pleasure. And I can't wait for part two. Thank you for joining me this session. My honor, Linda. Thank you. Take care, everyone. See you next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, I have so much more to offer you. Book a complimentary call with me at lindatalaferrocom slash free consultation so you can start unapologetically achieving your own professional goals as a woman of color and establish a presence as more than just an employee. Let's go deeper, reach your professional goals, and apply this life-changing work to your career and beyond so you can rock your corporate game and get that seat at the table.